Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. We do uh, give big as a church twice a year, like Josh said, uh, and the December one we give uh, to the poor, uh, and over the years uh, we've given hundreds of thousands away as a church to uh, loads of different uh, projects, um, which is really exciting, and I got to do a a Zoom call uh, with a guy called Sharo, who is based in Kurdish Iraq, and we uh, sent them some money off our last Give Big in December, I think we sent them about seventeen or eighteen thousand uh, pounds, and um, it was great to talk to him. Uh, we, we kind of de- want to develop friendship between us uh, and them out there as as a church. Uh, and they're talking about uh, in the summer they usually come over back to uh, the UK. So he is actually uh, from Kurdish Iraq and fled uh, the war, the first war, the war in the early 90s, uh, the Iraq war with his family and became a Christian while he was a teenager in London, uh, then got married to uh, an English girl and they moved out there about five or six years ago with their kids. Uh, and he was telling us, he kind of showed me around on the Zoom call, the, the centre that they have there where they do um, teaching really, it's uh, stuff aimed at kids, so there's a lot of uh, classwork and teaching activity, Uh, and they also now work into uh, an orphanage or a few orphanages, uh, which we uh, have helped start, we've uh, funded them, and he said to me, Tim, uh, the money that you sent us is the biggest individual lump we've ever had as a charity. Uh, which was uh, very pleasing. And so they're doing these work into orphanages. And um, what he was telling me is actually said, look, in this part of the world, in order to make your way in life, it's really to do with who your family is. So your first job is usually with your uncle or, or, or they will get you an interview or they will help you to make your way in life somehow. He said, but these kids leave orphanages at 18. Effectively, they're thrown out um, with very little life skills and no family. Obviously, they're in orphanages. Uh, And he said, so they effectively just get thrown onto the streets. So he said, our next project is we're going to start working with these 18-year-olds. And I was like, well, what sort of stuff have you got to do? He said, well, they really have no life skills. They're taught nothing in the orphanage. So at the moment, I'm teaching them to brush their teeth and learn how to cook. That's what I'm teaching them. Uh, and they're uh, in the process of setting up a cafe in the, in the town there in Slomani, the city, to give these guys jobs. And he was saying to me, yeah, in order to set up this cafe, I had to have a meeting with the secret police uh, because the head of the secret police also has a cafe on that street. And he was worried that I was going to steal business for him. I was like, wow, sometimes I think I have a hard week, but I don't have to meet the secret police. Uh, and and it, he was like, actually, you know what? I really like the secret police because they stop terrorism. I was like, this is a whole world that I don't understand. Um, but we're able to help them and fund them. Uh, and look after them. So uh, it's really exciting, actually, what we can do when we uh, give. Uh, and uh, the, uh, as Josh was saying, uh, in this one, in May, we tend to give to uh, projects and things in Manchester and things in CCM. And we'll talk a bit more about that later. But today, I want us to think about uh, what we do with our money when we give, okay? Uh, to think about what actually is happening in those moments. Because uh, giving, financial giving, actually is an act of imagination. 
It's even an act of creativity in a funny way. When we, when we give something, when we give money to something, often we bring it to life. And we've seen that in Iraq. This whole project has started because uh, as a church we gave and actually it has brought this project to life. And when we give, actually, we begin to build something. Actually, I think we can do that very practically. We can uh, build, again, a charity or things in church, but actually build something spiritually as well. And the question in this is, well, what do we actually build when we give? And it's perhaps quite easy to disengage when we think about our giving or our finances. Uh, and we might view it in a few different ways. We, we might view our giving as an obligation of our faith. And, and that was my upbringing as a kid, as a family. It was kind of, that's something that we do. It's what Christians should do. Uh, and perhaps you think it could be giving to charity. So giving to church is the same as any charitable giving you might do. And you kind of compartmentalize it in that way. It's just... Church is a number of, or one of a number of charities that you support. Or, or perhaps it's just something you'd rather not talk about. Uh, and it's interesting. My, my family, we love to talk about money. Um, actually, it's a bit of a running joke in, in my family. I will always ask, how much did that cost? Or what's it worth? Or something like that. Vic's family, total opposite. So Vic's dad collects art, and his house is packed full of art. So he would walk around explaining to me the beauty of, I don't know, what was going on in a particular picture. And then I would nod and go, how much it cost? Uh, and that, uh, yeah, that was somewhat offensive to their family, I discovered. Uh, but people approach their giving and their finances in, in different ways, don't they? Now, actually, when we give to church, it's a deeply profound and holy activity, actually. Uh, giving is a way that we play our part in the story of God's people in the story of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of God's advancing as well. Actually, when we give, it throws us right into the middle of a battle. And when we give, we are also, we are building, building something incredible. And so today, I want us to look at one of the the more controversial passages on giving in the New Testament. And we're going to look at um, Acts 4 and 5. And particularly, we're going to look at the giving of three individuals, uh, the giving of a guy called Barnabas, who we're all going to enjoy, and the giving of two people called Ananias and Sapphira, which will make us feel a little less comfortable. Uh, and in this passage, we're going to see how giving builds something. So let's, before we dive into our passage, let's just think a little bit about the context uh, of the story we're going to read about. So in Acts uh, two guys called Peter and John ha- had gone and preached in the temple, uh, the great uh, building that was for God in the center of Jerusalem, where really all of the religious life, the political life, the social life of Israel span around this temple. It was a, the most important place uh, in all of Israel, and they viewed it as the most important kind of physical piece of geography in the whole universe. It was a, a very important place for them. And Peter and John there were there, and they were teaching about Jesus. And they were praying for people, and they were seeing people get healed. Uh, and when this happens, uh, they were brought in for questioning. They were kind of arrested and brought before the high priest, the most important person in the most important place in all of the universe, uh, and before the scribes as well. And they questioned them and said, what power did you do this by? Who gave you the authority to do this? Where did you get the ability to do this, to, to preach this, uh, this story and also to pray for the sick and see them get healed? And Peter and John listened and then they said, the power comes to us by Jesus, the cornerstone. 
And so the, uh, the high priests and the scribes are amazed at, at the answer and the boldness of these people, the sheer audacity of wandering into that place and preaching something a little bit different and then praying for the sick. And they were stunned by it. Um, but then they banned them from doing it again. They banned them from preaching the gospel. So it's the first example of Christians being cancelled. In that moment, they were banned. And Peter and John are released at that moment. And they go back to the other believers, the church as it was in Jerusalem, uh, and they met together and the believers prayed. When pressure comes, when difficulty comes, when you're prevented from uh, doing what you think is right, what's their first thing that they do? Well, they get together and they pray. And they go to the Psalms and they pray from Psalm 2. And they pray, why did the Gentiles rage? Why did the people's plots in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. And they keep on praying. They keep praying with boldness and with desire to see Jesus move, that his kingdom would advance, that they would know what to do next. And they really are praying that it's kingdom versus kingdom. And they know that their kingdom is one. They know that Jesus is the victor. Uh, many of them had seen him rise from the dead, had spent time with him uh, after his resurrection. Some of them had had a barbecue cooked for him. So they knew that Jesus was the winner here. But they could see, uh, actually, when you push forwards with the gospel, when you push forwards in the work of the Spirit, when you look to tell people about Jesus, opposition comes to you. But they keep praying, and as they pray, the Holy Spirit moves on them, and it's a very powerful time. The brand new church of Jesus at this point, they are highly motivated. They're pumped. They are, they're, they're excited by what's happening. They're doing bold things, and actually they're getting a bit of pushback, but it's not really very bad pushback. In the future, it's going to get much worse for them, but they don't realize that yet. Uh, and so they feel pretty motivated. They've had a little bit of a finger wagging from the high priest, which you know, you're, you're, I imagine made them feel pretty good in the moment. They are very, very motivated. But what is happening? So Luke, who wrote the um, book of Acts, he was trying to paint a picture for us. He doesn't spell it out very, uh, like, obviously. He doesn't give a bullet point explanation of what's going on. But he's, he's trying to give us some real hints here. He is saying, look, actually, a temple is being built at this moment. So remember, Peter and John, they're in front of the high priest. They were preaching in the temple. And what is their answer when, they, when questioned, how, you know, how can you do this? What power have you got? And they say, from Jesus, the cornerstone. So the foundation points. That's how we do it. And the temple would have these massive cornerstones, and that's how they build these big buildings to keep them in the right shape and built the right way. And they say it's by Jesus, the cornerstone, the foundation, the beginning points, perhaps, of a brand new temple. And this new Christian community that we see preaching, but then praying together as well, and then grappling with how they respond to what's going on around them, Actually, this brand new community is functioning a little bit like the temple, the, the, the old physical temple, because they are now a place of holiness. So the, the temple, as uh, the Israelites understand it, the Jews understood it, was the place where heaven and earth met together, where it, heaven and earth kind of crossed over, where eternity crossed into our worlds, uh, where the extraordinary comes up against the ordinary, where actually God's people come and get to meet with God. That's what the temple was for. That's why it was built. That uh, The people of Israel would come in and make sacrifices to God. They would get themselves right with God, and then they would go back to their lives. Uh, actually, 
Luke is saying a new temple is being built here. That's what you're seeing happening. That's what John and Peter were doing. That's what the people were doing when they were praying together. This is what Jesus has intended for them to do. The church is being built. And we see this process of temple building then play out in people's lives uh, and play out in the lives of these three people we're going to look at today, Barnabas, Ananias and Sapphira. And Barnabas, he sees an opportunity to give to this new temple that is being built to advance this kingdom of God, to actually think, I'm going to play my part in, in, in doing what I can to help build this new community, this new temple with Jesus as the cornerstone. That's what I'm going to do. Ananias and Sapphira see a very different opportunity, perhaps to advance their own kingdom, perhaps to build something that serves them and nobody else. So let's read. We're going to look at Acts 4, uh, verse 32. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them with me. If not, they will appear in very small font behind me. So, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them. For as many were owners of land or houses, sold them and bought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, bought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas is a fascinating character who comes up a number of times in Acts. And uh, we only ever hear what other people write about him. We don't have any letters or books written by Barnabas. We only hear what other people say about him. Uh, And largely, they're very, very positive about this guy, Barnabas. His nickname is Son of Encouragement, which is just a brilliant nickname, isn't it? Uh, As I was reading this, I was thinking, what would my nickname be? Son of Sarcasm, maybe. Uh, Son of Pithy Remarks. Uh, He is Son of Encouragement. In other words, this is the guy that makes other people feel good, makes other people perhaps do better than they would have done otherwise. Maybe this is the guy that brings through new leaders. This is the guy that puts other people above himself. They thought highly of Barnabas. And we see this as we were to read through Acts, just looking for Barnabas. We would see that he is a great believer in people, even people that others find quite difficult, even people that may actually be quite difficult. He also, he loved the church as well. If we jump forward to Acts 11, we see again, Luke comes back to Barnabas and re-describes him. He says, this Barnabas, he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Now he's talking about his time in Antioch and says that a great many people were added to the Lord at this church in Antioch where Barnabas, it looks like, was the leader there, was uh, the initiator. Uh, So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And again, it's another great description of Barnabas. He saw incredible things happen in this church. He gets to Antioch as the church is spreading into Europe and Asia and he has faith says. He just is there. He's uh, uh, faithful. 
and he believes God will move. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and then the church begins to grow rapidly. They see many people saved, great things happen in that city. And what does he decide to do? He doesn't go and write a book or start a podcast about how brilliantly he's done. Actually, he then goes and finds someone who can help him. He goes and finds Paul. Uh, We would know him as Paul. He's referred to as Saul. And he goes to Tarsus and finds this guy to bring him back to Antioch and to help him. You can see Barnabas going, I really need the help. Uh, Also, I think I can encourage this Paul guy as well uh, and bring him through. It's a very humble move by Barnabas. And out of Antioch, out of this church, uh, they go on missionary journeys together, him and Paul. And it seems, as you read through Acts, that slowly Barnabas goes from being the, the leader to slowly but surely Paul, it seems, to become the more senior of the two. And then it gets to a point where they have a bit of a falling out. Barnabas stands up for a young guy called Mark. And Mark, it seems, left one of their trips early. We don't know why, but he left a trip early. And later on, Barnabas wants to bring Mark back into the team. And Paul says, no, I'm not having him. He let us down once already. But Barnabas, son of encouragement, decides, actually, I'm going to stand up for this bloke who made a mistake I'm going to bring him back into this team. Uh, And that's what he did. And actually, Paul and Barnabas then go their separate ways. um, And it seems that later on that they were all uh, reconciled to each other. But it seems that Barnabas, actually, he was very motivated by other people succeeding. I wonder if Paul at any point reflected on the fact that Barnabas had bought him out of obscurity. Uh, Paul, who was as an outside bet goes, was very outside. The church were worried about this person who used to want to kill them. Uh, And Acts describes how he was planning to kill people in the church and throw them into jail for blasphemy. Uh, Barnabas thinks, well, this guy's going to be a good preacher. Let's uh, let's get him on boards. And I wonder if he'd forgotten that a little bit when Mark was being brought through. Who knows? But Barnabas wants other people to succeed. He wants other people to win, even if that is costly for him. We see that in his relationships. He seems to lose out so that other people can thrive. It seems he loves God. He's a great believer in people and he loves the church. Very provocative, I think. And we see this as well in his giving. It's a unique opportunity, actually. Uh, There aren't many examples of how individuals in the New Testament process their money and what they do with it and how they use it. But we see this. There is no sense of obligation in him. There is not even a sense of a a, a giving to charity. Actually, this is a big faith step for him, a big building opportunity for him. So how did Barnabas build with his giving? What, What do we see here? Well, firstly, we see he went out of his way to give. It was very inconvenient for him. He was from Cyprus and he is actually giving money in Jerusalem. Uh, So there is some inconvenience here. Perhaps he had to sell the field back in Cyprus to organise all of this. Perhaps he had to get the money sent over. We we don't know. But there is some sense of actually this is uh, not a simple thing for him. He's not in the meeting and then suddenly thought, oh, I've got a tenner in my pocket. I'll just, I'll put that in. He's rearranged his life to make this happen. Now, we know nothing about how he became a follower of Jesus. Barnabas, actually. This, is, this story here of him giving is the first time that we get to meet him. And I think Luke does that very deliberately. Uh, he wants us to associate Barnabas, this to be a kind of defining feature of him, with an act of generosity. Clearly, Barnabas is a well-thought-of guy in the early church. 
It seems that giving for him was, was not an afterthought. It's always worth having that as a, a provocation, uh, uh, what we do with what's left over. Actually, th- this is for him an opportunity to build this new church with Jesus as the cornerstone, this new temple, this holy people. So he went out of his way to give. It was also costly for him. He, he sold a field. Now, when you sell something, you don't tend to keep it afterwards. It's gone. Uh, and the field would have generated income for him over time, as well as uh, gaining more and more value. And he gave up on all of that stuff so that he could build this new temple. It was costly to, for him. It was also a very humble move as well. So it talks about how he put the money at the apostles' feet. Uh, and it's a statement as he does that. I give this to you. It's up to you how you spend it. This uh, that has come from me, I give to you. I absolve myself of responsibility for it. It's now yours to spend. It's now the church's to spend as, uh, as we see fit. He gave it to the community. And I think it really breaks the idea of our money, doesn't it? Uh, which is a, a very human concept, but as, uh, really exists in the West where we see ourselves as consumers. Uh, and that's part of our identity. We're regularly referred to uh, by politicians as consumers. We are people that earn money and then spend it. Um, that is our place. And it is our money and how we choose to spend it is entirely ours and nobody else can speak into that at all. But Barnabas breaks that by putting it at the feet of other people. It's a very humble thing to do. And finally, he gave for the future. So as he does this, the church is being built. He talks about actually how in those days they managed to eradicate poverty in the church of Jerusalem. And the church of Jerusalem was probably thousands of people at that moment. And it says none of them had any needs. They managed to eradicate poverty amongst them. The church was being built, community life was being built. They looked very, very different to the city around them. You wonder if, what the other people of Jerusalem thought as they looked at these people. Perhaps as friends of theirs who had been very poor had fallen in love with Jesus, joined this church and suddenly found themselves to be looked after by the community. So actually, we've got enough to eat now. Our accommodation has improved, whatever it may be. And for us, when we we think about Give Big at this time of year, it is very much a future-building exercise. And we have a few things that we would like to do that we want to build into our city, particularly into Manchester um, and a little bit further afield. But in in Manchester, we uh, find ourselves serving the church uh, widely in this city quite a lot in a, a number of different contexts that we're involved in. Uh, Colin's diary is increasingly full uh, with other pastors in the city who we're helping and looking after and uh, helping to bring them through some uh, difficult things, but also building relationship in, in the Manchester church as well has been, um, become very important for us and has been a great way for us to serve as a city. And we're keen to keep doing that. And so we want to give to that as well. Also, we're involved with a thing called the Northern Gospel Project, which we did a conference for last year, really to help church planters come into the city and make church planting a little bit easier for them. Uh, in, and Manchester has some very difficult places to plant churches, some very poor places. And we think actually this project could be a, a really good way of um, coaching them and training them, perhaps even providing a bit of funding for them as well. And that for us is a, a really good future opportunity. And we also want to keep giving to broadcast too. Um, I, I, was, uh, I was at an event last year and um, 
uh, there were a few pastors there from the Russian-speaking world. There, some of them were Ukrainian, some of them were from Russia, uh, and they came over to me through an interpreter and started thanking me for broadcast. Uh, and I'm always happy to take credit for things which I've had not very much to do with, so I was listening and uh, was excited about what they were talking about. And they said, look, broadcast, which we've had translated into Russian, uh, has really helped us in our churches in Russia. It's really been very helpful for, for training uh, some of our leaders and for teaching. Uh, we've also had a, a guy from uh, Swansea. It's not quite as exciting as Moscow, is it? But a guy from Swansea who said, oh, Tim, we love your school of theology. I was like, oh, how do you know about it? He said, well, it's all on broadcast. So we get about seven or eight of us together in our house. We listen to the podcast together, and then we talk about what we've heard. Um, I was like, oh. Brilliant. That's really good. Uh, And so I I want us to keep doing that. I think we're serving beyond what we even uh, know about, which is um, really good. So we are looking to build for the future, uh, very much like Barnabas was thinking as well. Give to build the kingdom of God. And if we go back to this Barnabas moment, uh, imagine being in that room, all that's gone on with uh, Peter and John being thrown in jail and then coming out again, having an amazing time of prayer. Uh, and then you're watching Barnabas, who sold this field, put this money at the apostles' feet, a very powerful moment. Uh, and I would expect they were all very motivated. I expect this is a, an exciting time to be part of church. So what happens next? Well, the church, this new community, this new temple built on Jesus the Cornerstone comes up against its first really very big test. Uh, Evil comes against them, actually. So let's move on to Ananias and Sapphira. We'll go to Acts 5 and we'll read uh, just those 11 verses and let this story speak to us. It says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. Very similar to what Barnabas had done. They sold something and then they had some land. Uh, And with his wife's knowledge... He kept back for himself some of the proceeds and bought only of a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself parts of the proceeds of the land while it remained unsold? Did it remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. I bet it did. The young men rose and wrapped up and carried him and buried him. Uh, After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And he said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it? that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, found her dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. That would have been an awkward Sunday morning, wouldn't it? That would have been, that would have been pretty uncomfortable. And uh, when I tell people that I'm going to talk on Give Big, they're like, oh, what passage are you going to use, Ananias and Sapphira? You're like, what's wrong with you, Tim? Uh, and we're not in any way suggesting if you don't give properly, God's going to kill you, okay? I'm not suggesting that at all. This is the only time this happens. Uh, it is not meant to be a precedent for this is how we deal with stingy givers. Uh, you will get shot down in a church service. <laughs> 
and we'll bury you out there behind the football goal. That's, that's not how it's going to play out. Uh, actually, there is uh, something here of deceit and evil coming against the church. So we can see how this works by looking at the difference between Barnabas, then Ananias and Sapphira. So Barnabas went out of his way to give. He changed his life and how he organized his money and he put himself at inconvenience so that he could build the kingdom of God. Ananias and Sapphira went out of their way to hold back. That's what they did. So they plotted and schemed to keep some for themselves. And it's not even like they weren't allowed to keep any for themselves. Actually, it was the desire to hide that and make themselves look good to make themselves look more generous, perhaps to make themselves look a little bit like Barnabas who was looking good to everyone else and uh, they decide that they want a piece of that as well. Uh, Barnabas's giving was costly. So like we said, when you, when you give, you don't get to keep what you give, it's gone. It, it costs you something. Uh, but they weren't interested in that Ananias and Sapphira. They, they wanted kudos giving. Uh, they wanted uh, respect and honour without actually having to give away too much. So we'll give a bit from this, but we're going to keep the rest for ourselves and not tell anyone about it. That is the desire to look generous without actually being generous. They wanted to give away the money, but they wanted to keep the lifestyle. Actually, Barnabas knew that actually when you give away, it means adjustments in your whole life. And Barnabas as well, he gave away with humility, like we talked about it. He put it at the feet of the apostles and said, what was mine is now yours. You do with it what you want. I trust you. Um, that This is what it is to be part of the community. And Ananias and Sapphira give with cynicism, really. It's a cynical move that says, actually, we're holding back a whole bunch for ourselves because we think we're better at spending it than you are. We don't actually trust you that much. We're, we're going to do it our own way, and we're going to be a bit secretive about it as well. There's something quite controlling and a bit proud about their behavior. And Barnabas gives for the future of the church. Now, he's only giving it actually in the great scheme of all the money in the world or all the wealth, even in Jerusalem at that time. He's only giving a small amount, really, But he gives it with faith and with hope that actually this church is going to grow, that God is going to do great things. And uh, from that moment in Jerusalem, he would later find himself in Antioch. And I I bet Antioch was super generous with its money as well because he was, because it was deep within who he was, the faith that he had. Ananias and Sapphira gave for their own future. Really, they were only interested in themselves. They were only interested in how it worked out best for them. So when we give, when we give away money, when we give to the church, actually we build with our giving. And sometimes it's easy to forget that when perhaps you're just in the routine of life, perhaps in the routine of your finances, the the ins and outs of every month or how it works in your house. Actually, it's easy to forget when, when I put this in, regardless of how much it is, actually I'm building the church. I'm building the people of God's. This brand new temple, Jesus is the cornerstone, actually the place where heaven and earth cross over, I'm building that. I don't know if you think about yourselves in this way, Lady Barn, but actually as a community, as a people, we are one of the places where heaven and earth cross over in Manchester. It's, I don't know if you think about it in those terms. Sometimes we get into the rotors and all the things that we have to do and the kids run around and uh, Josh's son runs to the front while he's hosting and tries to take him out on the knee and you think, this isn't heaven and earth. What is, actually, when we are together as a community, 
when we are in our jobs, when we're trying to build family life, when we're uh, looking after our friends, when we're with our, sorting out our finances, we're a place where heaven and earth cross over. It's very powerful and profound, actually. This week we were talking about uh, with some of our staff team about how we host a meeting uh, and even you know, how we uh, get people to pray out in a service. We were talking about this. How do we do that? And I said, well, it starts at the very beginning of how we view what we do together. Actually, we're not just running a meeting because that's what we do and that's what Christians have done for thousands of years. Actually, we believe when we come together, we are the worshipping people of God in our part of the city. It's a very profound thing to do, a very profound thing to be, and all of you are that. We are building the temple on Jesus, the cornerstone. And without him in it, the whole thing begins to crumble very quickly. So Barnabas built with Jesus in mind, Ananias and Sapphira built with themselves in mind, and actually what they were building disappeared quick, fell to pieces very quickly, had the faint whiff of evil about it. And not only that, we, we build on the generosity of Jesus. I think Barnabas got that, actually, even in his attitude and how he give and how we see him treat people. This is a man who's been profoundly changed by Jesus. Jesus went out of his way for us, didn't he? Jesus, actually, his cost, uh, his life, it was very costly, wasn't it? He lost his life. It's the ultimate cost. And, and he did it with humility as well. He, he didn't do it with argument. He didn't do it with grandstanding. In fact, when he went to trial, he said very little He did it with great humility and with great faithfulness. And Barnabas lives his life copying these things that he's heard about in Jesus, that has been taught to him about how Jesus behaved. He put others first. He made sure that others won, even if that meant he lost. It's very like Jesus. Ananias and Sapphira were looking to win themselves and didn't really care if other people lost out. And Barnabas knew his gift was only a small contribution. We don't know how much a field cost in those days. We don't know what difference it made to the church finances, uh, whether it meant that their spreadsheet that month looked really good and they were all pumped, or whether anybody even noticed, actually, the amount of money, because lots of people were, were selling houses and fields at that time. We don't know. It was a small contribution. But when Jesus gave himself, he went out of his way. It was costly to him. He was humbled. He would see the people of God built. And that's what we do. So when we think about our finances, when we think about our giving, we start with the cornerstone of Jesus.